0: This is Danielle Alessio, author of the newly released How Not to Get Screwed by Your Lawyer book. And I am delighted to be here with John Hulan on the Relationships and Revenue podcast.
1: This is Relationships and Revenue. The show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. And as you heard from that introduction, I have the one and only Daniela Lissio with me today. Daniela, how are you?
0: I am great, and I am delighted to be here. I'm looking forward to a fun discussion.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely going to be fun because, folks, if for no other reason, we're going to talk about her book, How Not to Get Screwed by Your Lawyer. And so, oh, my gosh. I mean, if that title doesn't grab you, something's wrong. Seriously, you need to be paying attention. Even if you're not a business owner, I guarantee you this book is going to be a fun read. But more than that, uh, Daniela is an attorney. While she might not be practicing right now, she spent many, many years as a a corporate attorney, but she's also a business consultant. She mentioned that she's the author of the book, How Not to Get Screwed by Your Lawyer. Now, the subtitle is Every Bit as Good, so I want to be sure I get this right, Daniela. A System for Business Owners to Manage Costs, Reduce Stress, and Take Back Control. Does that sound about right? perfect okay
0: exactly what the book is about
1: nice now you spent 12 years as a corporate attorney both in toronto and new york city correct
0: the first uh five years of my career were in toronto and then i moved to our uh, new york city office and
1: was there for eight years gotcha okay and you did things like you worked on mergers and acquisitions oh my gosh financings, private equity investments, and corporate reorganizations. Did I say yeah. all those right?
0: Well, yeah, no, that was that's excellent. And that's a good sampling of, of the types of work that I did. And it was really just more representative of a larger clientele, um, working mostly with uh, bigger businesses, businesses entering into large joint ventures. And these were all, uh, you know, I loved it, fascinating work. But they were all, um, you know, most of my clientele uh, were people who had access to some form of legal team, whether it was in-house counsel, uh, you know, or, or um, you know, their own lawyer team, where that's not generally the case for smaller businesses. Right. But when I left practice and left New York City to start my own business and I uh, was around a lot more business owners like myself, uh, small to medium-sized business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, you realize, um, well, of course, law is not that for the bulk of people, you know, for mm-hmm. for most other people. And, um, but what what I was, what was more telling were the stories that I was hearing. So I was hearing all kinds of struggles, challenges, uh where you know naturally, we assume there's going to be difficulties when it comes to the legal world. Nobody wants to have to have need for a lawyer. No one wants a legal problem. Right. But as a business owner, it's almost impossible to not have lawyers for multiple reasons, right mm-hmm. um, and And even when you know, I always said I was lucky to have practiced corporate law. I love corporate law because it's one of the few areas of law where both parties can be very happy. Mm. There's always a meeting in the middle. Somebody wants to sell. Another company wants to buy. Somebody wants to borrow money. Somebody wants to lend money. Somebody wants to join a joint venture. And there's always somebody to find to join that venture. So there was a lot of room for at negotiations where everybody can be happy. And you think, what other area of law brings that level of happiness? <laughs> Almost none <laughs> So I think that was always why I was intrigued by corporate law, because it seemed to me that while there might be heated negotiations and, and animosity and all that kind of stuff, of course, um, you have to get through all of that. I don't know an area of business where you can't, you know, where you can avoid that completely. That said, like there, there's there's just that happy end result where everybody can come together in a Ford room or something and just uh, enjoy the the fruits of the labor and everybody's happy. Um, that is not the case in family law. That is not the mm. case in hmm. litigation. Uh, that's just not the case in most other areas of law. So. To bring that back to, you know, as I left my sort of big corporate law life and you start talking to entrepreneurs and independent business owners that are working with much smaller teams and don't have access to kind of the same resources that those larger corporations have. What I saw is a lot of people not feeling like their lawyer was on their team. And Mm for me, that was the sad thing because a lawyer is supposed to be your advocate, and I think most lawyers—they have that approach. They—they they want to do the best job for their clients. Mm-hmm. This book is not about, um, you know, criticizing lawyers. Although I do do that uh, to some extent, and I certainly <laughs> criticize the legal system, but it's really more in terms of understanding where you're coming from, so that business owners have a better uh, appreciation for the things that they should be doing to better that relationship, to Mm -hmm. ultimately save themselves money and save themselves stress. Because yes, who cares about, you know, nobody necessarily wants to be best friends with their lawyer, uh, (laughs) but everybody, every business owner should be seeking to save money or not throw money at something that is better. You know, money and resources are always better used in different places. Why put them in the places that you know, why throw them down the drain? That makes no right. sense for for anybody. Uh, so really, this book is about kind of what what the business owner can do, um, setting out a lot of examples and specific uh, scenarios that give people ideas on the parts of that relationship that they can control versus stuff in the legal industry that we just can't.
1: Sure. You know, I got some fantastic advice when I first got into business. Um, the, there's multiple parts to it, but the one that pertains to what we're talking about right now was this. It was my former father-in-law. He had been in business for himself many, many years. And he said, you know, one of the best things you can do for yourself is to hire the best attorney and the best CPA, because both of them will keep your butt out of jail.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that advice.
1: Oh yeah. And it, <laughs> it has served me well. And now another one it really wasn't a piece of advice. It's something I've kind of learned along the way that's really helped me tremendously, is there are certain industries that I have found that, I, uh, that I've that i collected people in. And I'll explain what I mean by collected in just a second. But uh, certainly, attorneys is one of those fields. Um, bankers is another. Um, to a lesser extent, uh, accountants slash CPAs. And there's a few other ones. But I've, I tend to meet a lot of people in those areas and kind of bring them into my fold as people I know, that mostly what I do with those collections is I have them as resources to be able to recommend to other people. I do that a lot. I am a big time connector. I do that all the time. And I love doing it. I mean, it's just kind of part and parcel to who I am. But another reason that I do it, not nearly as important as that first one, but another one is in case something comes up. If there's a certain situation that comes up, it's like, you know, I know so-and-so and that person, this is their deal. So that's who I need to talk to about this.
0: I love that. But what that really, <clears throat> excuse me, focuses on is, of course, relationships, which is obviously <laughs> a central theme to what you do here on this podcast. Sure. But I, I, I think we have forgotten, um, you know, one of, one of the earliest, uh, um, this was a, a, a feedback that I got from an early reader who, you know, it was a, it was a colleague had actually passed this book on to uh, a family member who was mm. going through some, di- who, who was also a business owner and ha- was going through some difficult um, personal stuff, including a divorce and, and dealing with a number of different, you know, challenges on that front. Also something that you've talked a lot about. Mm hmm. And what he said was, this book reinvigorated my soul. And I said, mm. wow, what a, what, a, um, what a comment. He said, besides the fact that I am actually using some of these um, techniques that you talk about to, you know, in, in conjunction with my lawyer, what it reminded me was my position as a business owner. So I, I mentioned in the book. Um, and refer to the fact that business owners to me, and you and I have talked about this before, business owners to me are the ones that solve all of the world's challenges. <laughs> and that yeah, we, we can spend hours on that topic itself and people can debate it. But the reality is, is there is um, sort of that entrepreneurial spirit that wow. uh, people forget businesses, the business has never been just about money. You can't survive no. as a business if all you are thinking about is making money. And that's why I find some of the discussion today, you know, as if as if we're just rediscovering this, this, you know, and we're having this enlightenment over business. It's like, what well, since when did business ever just have to do with money? No. Uh, but besides that, um, what I loved about this individual's comment is that he remembered that, you know what? business is fun and I do have an important role to play as a business owner. So yes, I'm going through all of these personal challenges with my divorce and all these other things that I'm dealing with, but I can tap into, um, you know, some of what I've learned from business and Mm. kind of find that resilience in all aspects of my life. So I, um, I, I, you know, I love, I just, I love that comment because it really had nothing to do with business. It just had to do with sort of the feeling that someone was left with. And the fact that he got that from my book was obviously a huge compliment. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but again, it's just combining, you know, this is why I love your podcast also, though. You come, you, you, it, it, everything has to work in sync. So mm-hmm. as you've talked a lot about relationships, if your personal relationships are completely out of whack, that is going to impact your business life, your your professional development. Uh, Certainly I've found that to be the case. And this, you know, and, and just in writing this book, it was really about empowering people to build better relationships because business is supposed to be fun. Business is, in fact, I just had a wonderful conversation with one of my mentors um, yesterday and he said Daniela everything I do now should be about having fun in my business mm. you know and and all of us many of us have a lot of different things that we are able to do and so you can focus on you have the luxury of focusing on the things that bring you joy um, obviously are still fulfilling on the purpose that you want to fulfill as a business owner Mm-hmm. But you can guide yourself that way. And to me, that is also about having those positive, productive relationships around you. So bring that back to the advice that you got from your, was it your father-in-law? You know, My,
1: is, my former father-in-law, your yes. my former
0: father-in-law is just, is, is having those professional advisors that you trust that you want to build those relationships about. That is what I talk about a lot in this book Mm -hmm. and, you know, is really central to everything that we do in business, building those stronger relationships, obviously, to enhance our professional life, but ultimately that just bring us happiness and, and joy.
1: Yeah. Case in point, how I've run all of my businesses over the years is through that lens of relationships just has been. And there have been, I have had opportunities to work with people who did not want that from me. They wanted to have a transactional kind of relationship. And I turned those down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. That's not what I'm about. And trust me, I mean, I'm talking about significant money turning down on purpose because it just did not fit with who I am. I just, I can't, Maybe I'm just not good enough at it, but I can't fake that stuff. I, I do know people who can do that, and maybe that works for them. I, it just would make me sick to my stomach mm-hmm. to do that, right. and I can't. So I don't, and I don't even try. You know? and, and if I know if I have a potential opportunity to work directly with someone and I don't think it's a good fit, I let them know that, but I don't leave people with that. Typically what I'll do, if someone's coming to me for, say, coaching, and i can tell right away that either they're not a fit for me or i'm not a fit for them either one doesn't matter i'll let them know in a very kind way but then i give them a minimum of two names of people to contact but i also let those people those other two know ahead of time hey i gave your name out to this particular person be expecting to hear from that that particular individual every time i do that The people come back to me and thank me for doing that because they know that it's not about the money for me because i could take the money Mm -hmm. it's not that i couldn't do the job daniela i could easily do the job right it's not about that for me it's making sure it's a fit it ties in some with what you were just talking about about the fun aspect of it Mm -hmm. because we have all had clients you're like why did i agree to work with this person why it's it's i've had to fire clients before. Mm-hmm. That's not a fun feeling. I haven't had to do it very many times, but I have had to do it.
0: Well, I, I think uh, I mean Tim Ferriss. I think made that comment or that that concept famous, right? When he talked about um, in, in the Four Hour Work Week is just getting getting rid of the, the sludge or he didn't say even the words, but getting rid of the eighty <laughs> yeah. percent that causes um, or or getting rid of those that create. 80% of the work, but not necessarily 80% of the revenue. Oh, right. <laughs>
1: right. For sure. What made you decide to get into the law?
0: That's actually easy. Uh I uh was always interested in um business for whatever reason. I I don't know why. I don't know where I got that. I didn't I didn't have professional parents or anything like that. Mm-hmm. First one to actually go to go to university. And um I think Honestly, it was watching Perry Mason <laughs> as a kid. I had to watch okay. uh, the old black and white Perry Masons for whatever reason. I, I, I'm i sure I didn't even understand half of what was going on. I was fascinated <laughs> with this criminal defense attorney who was always uncovering the real the, the real truth behind, behind things. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting that I was inspired by that because I actually had zero intention of... Uh, becoming a you know criminal defense attorney, and so and in fact, one of my best friends in high school knew that that is exactly what he wanted to do, and that oh, wow. is what he became. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember saying to him, even at that young age, even though I was fascinated by this Perry Mason character, it's amazing what sticks with us for whatever reason. You think, mm-hmm. good God, you. You, you created a career path over a TV show. I mean, I'm in Spain. Uh, but ultimately I had gone to school. I got an economics degree. Um, after four years of economics, you realize okay. I, I don't know anything about economics. I better get a master's degree. So I went to do my master's degree, studied economics for another year and then realized, OK, five years in, no one's ever going to know anything. I'm not, I'm not ever going to know anything about economics. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go get a job. I worked in the finance industry for a couple of years and I just couldn't really shake the desire to go to law school because I had mm. five years. I had always intended to go to law school, but I had been in school for five years and thought, you need to go work just stop mm. to stop going to school. You need to go get a job, make some money. And um, but but like I said, two years in, I couldn't really shake that desire. So I ended up applying and going to. Law school. And then I happened to go to a business school, or sorry, a, a law, um, I went to a law school at a university and I had a very strong business program and mm-hmm. ended up getting my MBA while I was there. So it kind of okay. just embedded a further, what was already an interest in business became a greater interest in business. Mm. And I, I went to work for a firm that was a, was a heavy transactional uh, firm. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's okay. I, that's how o- that came to be.
1: I've often wondered when you yeah. get a law degree, you get letters at the end of your name. It's JD, correct?
0: It's JD in the U.S. and it's LLB in Canada,
1: which is where oh, I went. Okay. Because here, that's see, equips- juris
0: doctorate. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a doctorate program, but it is. It has those that. um it has that designation. Um,
1: okay. Interesting.
0: Ultimately meaningless. I mean, I don't, you know, the the only, if I, if I see someone using initials other than in certain specific cases, it's kind of like, I don't know that I even want to know that person. Like, <laughs> they are so meaningless. And I, just, I just want to know what you can do, not the letters that you will keep which right. is interesting. The education system itself has become fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't know what degree you can't just get online now, um, you know, and yeah. it's, you sort of think, hmm, what, 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 how does that affect quality? How does that affect uh, exactly. what we're doing? But that's different.
1: <laughs> it, it, it is. That's definitely a topic for another day. So, so you're a corporate attorney and you're doing that for a while. Tell us how that transition worked, that the transition from leaving the corporate law world into becoming a business consultant.
0: Uh, I started developing um, courses and the first course I created just because it was easy for me. I was an endurance athlete for many years in conjunction. I was a triathlete for many years hmm. while I was lawyering. So I didn't, I didn't sleep very much, but that was okay. Um, <laughs> and I, I, uh, I looked around and thought just as you talk about relationships very much affecting our professional development. Mm -hmm. I also find as part of that, you know, I thought here I am surrounded by the best of the best. I worked for one of the uh, biggest and best corporate law firms in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, you look around and you think this is the best of the best, the best resources available to these people in terms of, uh, you know, money and you know they could spend money on on gyms or trainers or uh, doctors, nutrition advice, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people just I did not see really managing their health very well and and i mm-hmm. and I speak, you know, both mental and physical health, right? and i and I include myself in that whole that whole package. and i I wondered about that, and I thought, why do we do that? Why do we why do we not do a better job? Of, contr- of, of sort of managing the things that are within our control. And that sort of set me on this road of trying to understand our brains more. I'm saying that initial course that I created in health and wellness that, that was really helping endurance athletes like me um, was really about creating better systems to do more of the things that we should and avoid some of the behaviors that we. Um, wanted to avoid. And it's amazing that our, our our brain, we think, okay, well, that's rational. We, you know, I have a comment in my book that we, we think of ourselves as rational beings and we're just, we're not, that's just not the way the brain has really evolved. We know if it was, why do we have so many, uh, so much trouble doing more of the things that we know we should do? Everybody says, well, I already know that. I know I should do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're not doing it, right? Everybody knows that they should drink more water and eat more vegetables. And yet that doesn't actually happen. And you think, oh, it's just an education thing. I disagree completely. In fact, the, there's actually ample evidence that that's not necessarily the case. That's just something convenient we say um, to justify kind of dumbed down recommendations that we get from our, our oh-so-helpful you know, um, regulatory bodies. That, that
1: Oh, yeah. Plus, it's also an excuse to throw money at things.
0: Well, exactly. And again, this sort of goes to the issue of, you know, why don't we have more holistic, fulsome discussions about the things that truly ail us? And for lots of different reasons, mm. I don't think we've been able to do that, which to me is is sad, but it that's okay because, you know, we can do that within our own circles. So what I was encouraging people to do was kind of get behind some of the and you know, understand ourselves better to say, why am I not doing more of the things that I should? Um Which ultimately affects it was never just about physical health, obviously, it's always encapsulating um all of the elements that go into building more productive relationships, including all of the elements that require us to make better relationships, just you know um, for ourselves within ourselves, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. um but as I was kind of doing that, uh I was learning more about online marketing, I was learning more about all of these uh different different ways to basically help businesses find revenue in non-traditional ways Mm -hmm. and so that's ultimately how that ended up happening
1: okay and so who right now would you say is an ideal client for Daniela?
0: Mm. well when it comes to uh when it comes to um uh, business owners it's it's the uh Small, small business owner and people don't like the word small because they're like well but then you're just a you know then you're just saying you know you're you're getting people who think small i completely disagree i think that's just a you know I, it's a small business owner which means there's nothing to do with the way they're thinking in fact i have very much cultivated uh, a culture of finding growth oriented businesses that happen to be small as in Uh, You know, revenues may be under $10 million range and the teams are small, uh, often fewer than five people uh, in in most cases, Uh, in some cases, even a single, uh, you know, one or two people. Um, And it's, this is the amazing thing. We get out of the kind of traditional business world and you realize people can, you know, there's no, there's not, it depends on the type of business, obviously, but it is not the case that you, you know, that revenues necessarily need to, um, scale insofar as numbers of employees, right? So mm-hmm. normally that, per, that, that to put metrics on it, it's the say under 10 million, fewer than five uh, people, but more importantly, it's a growth minded business who is looking for alternative ways to make money. Um okay. And I think that's become more and more important. We saw, we just left, came out of this pandemic where we had um, Lowe's and Walmart and all these big box stores uh, considered essential. And a lot of small businesses not considered essential uh, by really just this ad hoc application of (laughs) policy, very rushed policy, policy that took a very siloed view of Risk And a lot of business owners found themselves having to uh, adjust very quickly and realizing that I can't rely necessarily on one way to, or even if it's one product or service that I offer, I can't necessarily think of that as I have to make, you know, I have to bring in revenue through this one mode that I've been operating under. And the reality is there's lots of, there's lots of ways to, ways to do it um this book is one example of where we have millions and millions of books written mm-hmm. we have uh very simple technologies that many people have the capacity to understand we have marketing experts in the i don't know thousands and thousands and yet books are written largely as books on a page uh people who read this book will see that i have multiple references back to my website um there's qr codes it is a way I wanted to create an experience for readers, nice. uh, not just, OK, here's a here's a book. Um, that's great. And everything that somebody needs to develop a system to better manage their attorneys to save money is in the book. But if they want more information, they can choose any number of the additional resources that I offer through the, um, you know, through the website references, through the QR codes, and if they want to go deeper, they can sign up for my email list, they can get the introduction in chapter one for free. If they like it, then they can go buy the book, or they can, right. you know get any number of other resources that I offer through my email list. So my point in that example is, yes, everybody knows that while well, you make money through the things that come out of the book, but why haven't all these marketing experts and everyone else kind of not integrated technologies in a way that make sense? for their customer, and also to create an experience rather than just throw another book at people. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that is an example of, uh, in fact, I'm helping somebody um, implement a similar strategy where instead mm. of just writing a book, they can create, again, a more holistic experience for their ideal customers themselves. Nice. So that's what, um, you know, that, that would be one example of, Finding a new way of uh, creating revenue for a business that mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily take any more uh, time and effort, um, but at least showcases their expertise in a different way.
1: Okay, okay. Now, of course, as you're talking through these things, my mind is churning, thinking of all different kinds of things, not the least of which was, is at least five different people I need to introduce you to. That's how I work. Now, you and I had a conversation offline. And so I want to kind of do a, it's a partial reveal here. There's at least one more book coming, isn't there? There's a second book coming. Can you talk about that at all? Other than the fact that there is a second book?
0: Yeah. Um, So this actually may be a third book because there's uh, several books that I need to write. And you told me the same thing. You've got like three books in you that still need to be. Minimum. The book that I have half written, I actually have written uh, most of it um, prior to even publishing Counters Get Screwed by Your Lawyer. That book, I will not give away the title because, excuse me, in some ways I think it's even more clever than if I do say so myself, then this one, which actually, you know, is not a lot of people do not like, they do not like, um, they do not like the the language They, which is okay. What? But, uh, well, yes, of course. And, and I, you know, and that's, that's totally fine. Cause as I've said to you before, it doesn't matter if, you know, people, um, I think can remember certainly in this journey of becoming a business owner, learning all this new stuff about business. Um, I, you know, to answer your question, the reality is uh, the that book that I have mostly written is really uh, playing um to the strengths of uh, or 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 it'll it will allow people to develop the skills to find greater resilience in business and life. okay, and the emphasis there is not at all necessarily on you know, personal development, I, 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 I shy away from kind of saying that kind of stuff, because I, I honestly, I think, who am I to be offering any of that? I'm still working through, you know, we all have our own issues. I've got my own issues that, you know, I like to continue to work through. That's what um, has obviously helped me find people like you and so on. But the reality is there is a system that we can apply that makes things easier to do. And so just like I was adamant that I did not want to create just another business book that kind of talked about all these elusive theories and concepts, I wanted to give people specific examples of how they could use the information to save money on their lawyer and create a more productive relationship. That's what's in this first book. Right. That second book or third book, whatever it ends up being, (laughs) will definitely be the same thing. This is how. We can develop the right skills to keep you thriving in any environment. People are worried about inflation, about recessions, about um, cancel culture, about all of these new phenomenon, which is kind of like, have we forgotten that businesses always face challenges? Businesses always have some problem. Walt Disney started his enterprise by putting a cartoon mouse on a watch at the beginning of the depression. I think it was like 1929 that he... Mm. And you think there is a worldwide depression. Millions and millions of people are being displaced. They are dying, uh, afflicted with disease, with poverty, starving to death, with war. And yet Walt Disney started his enterprise at the beginning of that. Mm. The way I hear a lot of business owners, in fact, I started doing a live event, I will have some more on um, my calendar where we actually talk about how do we fight sort of the challenges that face us by continuing to profit, continuing to thrive, and continuing to feel good about the things that we sell to people. Mm-hmm. And I and I just I have found it a little bit disheartening that business got so quiet during the pandemic it's like oh okay we'll let lowe's stay open we'll let walmart stay open and we're going to consider ourselves non-essential how ridiculous how ridiculous Mm -hmm. is that amazon started in a garage before it became the behemoth that it is um uh you know Mm -hmm. steve jobs started apple in a garage google started in a garage so many of what Have become our most influential businesses started as a small business. Right. Small business is the heart of what I think makes uh, our society Mm -hmm. so interesting. And um, I, you know, so so in supporting that, I think that we owe it to ourselves to say, okay, how do we become more resilient? No matter what is going on out there. Yeah. So to sum up. The book will be about what are exactly those skills that keep businesses um, and people thriving in all circumstances.
1: Okay. Kind of circling back a little bit partially to the book and certainly about your former life in law, what questions would you recommend that we ask when we're interviewing prospective attorneys, whether that's for business or personally, either one?
0: Um, so I have a whole chapter on, um, the hiring process and some things that people should consider. Um, and there's a number of different questions, but the questions, rather than sort of getting into the details of it, I would say this, it's what it really requires is people to think about what they actually need. And I know that sounds like, well, obviously, but I don't actually think people think that through. And and what's more important is to, um is to do some preliminary work before you've got your short list of people to ask those questions of. Okay. So let me give you an example. Uh, you, for example, have, have mentioned during this podcast, well, I like to match people up and I, lo- I like to refer people. Mm-hmm. Um, referrals are obviously one key place that people can start in terms of finding the right lawyer. Mm-hmm. However, it's not like you don't want to just take a blind referral. you may yes. know someone that you you know is a lawyer that you have maybe interviewed, say for a podcast and you think mm-hmm. they're great and they have all the great info but you may not have used them as you know in a particular mm-hmm. um in a particular type of legal problem so uh. Maybe, you know, maybe a a divorce lawyer is not necessarily the best person to maneuver, for example, let's say a challenging custody issue. I don't know. You would think, well, if they're both family lawyers, how can that not be the case? Well, Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you didn't have a custody issue, you don't necessarily know that. And that may sound very granular, but I think all I am saying to people or reminding them of is you've got to take the referral with the right lens. It cannot be it's, it's just a guiding point. It's a, it's a place Mm -hmm. to start, but it's not the be all and end all of your due diligence. Um, and then in terms of, you know, to maybe give you some examples of once you've identified the right people to have those discussions with, have that interview with, is this the lawyer Mm -hmm. that I want to hire? Um, you know, one of, one of the key questions would be to any, any question that goes to um, the heart of what you need that person for. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, what specifically is their experience with cases that are similar to yours Um, Mm. and, and the results of, of those cases, understanding that even the best lawyer may not win, you know, if that's, you know, put that language on things. Um, There's lots of, there's lots of reasons, but, but you should be Getting some insight into those into those um, into those cases, um, and and also in asking those questions is to not be afraid to ask for clarifications where they're necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole chapter on communications as well, and I, and again, this is an area that I find people will say, "Well, yeah, obviously, I know that." I cannot tell you. I've met dozens and dozens of business owners and interviewed many of them in researching this book. And what I've realized is, I mean, I know a lot, a lot of people that I did interview are highly, highly successful, competent business owners. And yet when it comes to hiring their lawyer, they will not do a lot of the things with their lawyer that they did that made them successful business people. Wow. Um, and when we think about that, it's not hard to see. We we do that in all contexts. I mean, mm. they there are there are many things that make business people successful that they don't necessarily apply equally well, say, in their personal life. Mm. There's a, there are many, for example, wonderfully um, competent business owners, uh, business people who are excellent leaders. They manage wonderful teams and yet they're divorced or they have problems with a kid or or whoever. Mm -hmm. there's not, there's not necessarily, there's all kinds of factors that, as we know, go into different types of relationships. Right. What I like to encourage people to do is say, okay, well, what are some of the talents that I have? What are some of the skills that I have that I've used in this context that I can equally apply to this relationship with my lawyer? And there are Mm -hmm. many reasons why we don't do that. I talk about them in the book, um, but we can get past all of that.
1: Okay this is something i've wondered for a while now that's the question i'm about to ask this sounds weird but it doesn't apply to me because i'm not wired up this way but i know a lot of people are and so here's my question why is it that so many people blindly follow the advice of attorneys or you could say doctors doesn't matter without questioning anything at all why do you think that is
0: such a good question I go deep into this. <laughs> so um, we could be here for days. No, I, I think the short answer is that when we hire a professional, we assume that, in fact, we're hiring them because, of, because they have an expertise that we know we don't have. Right. What happens in that um, transaction, in that space of time where we're saying, yes, I need to hand this piece of business off to you, is mm-hmm. that we take, uh, it, 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 it's like we we stop being proactive. Mm-hmm. We're hiring them. We're busy with other things. We're busy with all of the other things that I need to do. I don't have time to deal with this. That's why I'm hiring you for your expertise. Mm-hmm. That's where we go wrong. Um, and we think, oh my God, that's I do not have time for that. I don't want to deal with that. But that's mm-hmm. why I lay out a very simple process um, to say, well, if, you know, you, you can't do that. In fact, as a, as a business owner who this book is specifically written for, but frankly, it would, it would, it would help a lot of just anyone who's using the lawyer, to be honest, um, is you can't do that. What, what area of your life can you be reactive instead of being proactive? And that's a better thing that works out. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't work out. Now, there's certain right. things that the lawyer should be expected to do and ease the burden off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. That's not what I, you know. We should absolutely expect that, but you can only expect that if you do some of the proactive things that I encourage people to do. Mm-hmm. So, you, your specific question, you know, why do we do that? There's all there's all kinds of reasons why we do that, but in essence, what it comes down to is passing. It, it's passing off this this expertise role um, in a way that puts our skills and expertise on the back burner. And mm-hmm. I'm saying you need those skills and expertise to enhance uh, the that relationship that you've now created with this other professional. Right. So the the things that I talk about in the book, frankly, would, will help with all professional relationships. That includes the, some of the ones you mentioned, you know, your doctor and so on.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Well, it's a very good kind of... question, but I, I think that's worth um, all of us thinking about.
1: Let's transition a little bit into more of the relational side of things. Not that we haven't touched on that some we have, but I like to ask all of my guests, and I don't say it the same way every time, but essentially the question is this. What is it that you're doing right now in your most significant relationships, whichever ones you deem those to be, what are you doing to work on, to make better, to improve those relationships, and how do those relationships impact your business?
0: Well, that's a loaded question.
1: Yes, it is. On purpose. Um,
0: Do you, and and, so you're talking about uh, personal relationships that then impact our professional ones? Uh,
1: That can be it. I use the word significant on purpose. The reason I use significant is because everyone's definition of what a significant relationship is different. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, I have a friend that has no family whatsoever. like Parents are gone, never had any siblings, doesn't have cousins. I mean, it's just him. So his most significant relationships are people he works with. That's just which ones are. And since that's the case for him, that's why he has to determine what it is that's most important to him. What is he doing to make those relationships better? Now for him, those definitely affect business because it's in that field. But for someone where you're talking about, is it a spouse? Is it friendships is it with whomever it's a a group that you're a part of if you're like in a triathlete group where you guys train together I mean it's whatever you think is most important to you what are you doing in those relationships and what impact do those have on your business
0: I know how to answer that that's um that's such a that is such a powerful question um, I love that question. I've never been asked that question. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I, as you were speaking, I, I know exactly how to answer that. Uh, at the moment, just based on other things uh, going on in my life, I would say, you know, the relationships that um, are coming to mind are those with my clients. Okay. And I have dug very deep into the notion that I am there for them. And every time uh, I engage with them on different things that we're working on, I'm very uh, conscious because I think for a time, you know, and, and again, through different stages, you, you I, I was not thinking about that enough. Now, I'm always thinking about them, but not in the deeper way that I have been. Okay. And because I've been doing that, I actually, it occurred to me um, just actually a few weeks ago, uh, it kind of, you know, the question came to mind of why am I not doing the same thing with my family, with my personal relationships? Mm -hmm. So that actually has been the thing that I have. So in that context, that is that that literally answers your question as what is that one thing that I was working on? thinking much more intentionally about where they were coming from in terms of asking for the advice or the guidance or the whatever we were working on, Mm -hmm. thinking much more intentionally from their shoes, uh, and also saying, you know, thinking about it with respect to, um, you know, whoever my mom or my dad, my friends, my brother, my nieces, Mm -hmm. um, which you think we should have always been doing that? Well, no kidding. Uh, yes, I should have been. But um, you know, sometimes again we we are going through. Uh, you know, we go through different things in our own lives that um, maybe maybe uh, don't make us or or uh, create some selfishness or or whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's not the right word, but um, uh, just we don't have the emotional bandwidth to necessarily deal mm-hmm. with those things in the way that we should. Um, but I would say that's one thing that's been very, very impactful for me.
1: Okay. Who's investing in you right now?
0: Who's investing in me? Um, does that mean, well, uh, certainly clients, uh, I suppose do that out. Would-
1: right. But that's not what I'm talking about.
0: What, what, what do you mean?
1: Uh, I mean, in terms of people that you specifically have reaching out to, to help you improve either you personally, or you in business? So coaches, mentors, uh, reading books is a form of investing in yourself. So I want to know who is investing in you right now.
0: Mm. I have several mentors. Um, and I have, I always have. So uh, as you know, being on, you know, kind of like the independent business owner, you don't, you don't, it's not the same as walking into an office and having professionals around you all the time. You've got to, you've got to create your own circles. So I've done that very intentionally. Uh, and I did that from the start, um, as in I need to replace what I don't have in sort of a traditional corporate environment anymore. So I've done that with, um, different mentors to develop some new skills that I want to um develop. So for example, one of them is speaking, speaking more. Um, Mm. I've always enjoyed it and I want to cultivate that that skill. So certainly having different mentors around me, um, I'm always reading some book or another or going back to um different books. Mm -hmm. Uh so that that is that is almost a constant exercise for me to the point where sometimes I have to diligently not do it because it's easy to get trapped i love learning i've always loved learning and i think what many um people struggle with certainly i do is oh well i'm going to learn more about this particular topic when Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily need to but because it's interesting because it's something that i feel i want to know more about um i will spend time doing it but at some point you need to say, does it, I'm not going to, it's kind of like me studying economics. You realize I'm never going to know all there is to know about economics. In fact, economists don't know all there is to know about no. economics.
1: It's not hard to tell that you like the process of learning when you have a minimum of three degrees.
0: I have four. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: See, there you go. You have four. So, all right.
0: And interestingly, so this is really, you know, to answer the question that you asked earlier, what is that book? What is that next book coming Or or going to be about, I would honestly say I would hand in all four of those degrees for the things that I have learned in the last, you know, six or seven doing (laughs) what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes um about education, (laughs) about and and I don't mean that in a, you know, I I had wonderful teachers, um, but I I think there are so many amazing opportunities for all of us to learn things. And that includes young people and I I think wow, you know, what what a what a fantastic um, environment to continue to to learn stuff. Mm-hmm. So the book is really about um, valuing the new ways of learning. Things uh-huh. that I could have and people say, well, you wouldn't have been ready to, you know, you wouldn't have been in the position had you not had those degrees to necessarily learn this. I don't know that that's true. So the book is really about focusing in, honing in on the skills that actually do move the needle in someone's professional and personal life. Mm I mean, why wouldn't you want to know that early on?
1: Sure. Absolutely. What's coming up that has you excited other than the other books?
0: Writing always has me excited. Um, uh, doing more uh, speaking has me excited. Um, uh, doing some online events uh, that I'll get back to that I had to hold off during the launch of my book, mm-hmm. and and also uh, you know just um, just you know on a personal level seeing uh, seeing some uh, family that I've I've not um, seen enough of over the last um, couple years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, And traveling, which I always, always, always love to do, including some adventure travel, which I have not done also in a couple of years, but will definitely get back to. I haven't climbed a mountain in a a few years and probably need to do that again at some
1: point. Okay. Now, if memory serves, you've climbed Kilimanjaro, correct?
0: I have. I've climbed Kilimanjaro twice.
1: Wow. Okay. You're the second person I know that has climbed Kilimanjaro, but the first that's done it twice. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, before we get into our final four, a couple things. First one, how can folks find you if they want to connect with you?
0: Best way is to uh, probably go to, to com, And um, if people are interested in getting that introduction in chapter one of the book uh, emailed to them, they can do that there and, um, and then engage with me there just by replying to uh, an email. Um, and that's that's probably the best way. In addition, there are many references in the book that make it very easy to contact me.
1: Okay. Uh, second thing, folks, since you know I have an author on, you knew I'd be doing this. But I also waited toward the end because I wanted to make sure you got all the way through. So if anyone's interested, at least the first person who replies to this and does it in this way, on Instagram, you're going to take a screenshot of you listening to and or watching this particular episode, you have to tag Daniela and you have to tag me. Both first person who does that is going to get a signed copy of her first book. Others are still to come, but of that first book, so the first one to do that is going to get a signed copy on me.
0: Amazing! I will be happy to sign it, and we will take care of that. Okay.
1: All right, that sounds great. All right, so let's jump into our final four. They're just four quick questions. Tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Well. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am talking to an attorney, whether she practices or not. So, (laughs) all right. Question number one, why did God create Daniela? Stated another way, why are you here?
0: To add some spice to the world.
1: I like that. I like that. Question two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow?
0: I am rereading Pitch Anything by Orin Cloth.
1: Okay, excellent. What do you do for fun?
0: Run. Swim, walk, bike, hike, read.
1: (laughs) Mostly sounds like outside.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do those things so I can eat and eat more.
1: Okay. Okay. I like that. (laughs) What are you most grateful for?
0: Oh, uh, the time that I am given.
1: Okay. And these are just kind of quick bonus questions. What's a book that you typically recommend to people? And it can be for whatever. I'm just, I'm curious.
0: Uh gosh, there's been so many, but the one that comes to mind is Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Um, Maltz.
1: Okay. And are there any podcasts that you listen to or watch with regularity?
0: Mm.
1: Other uh, than this one, of course.
0: I was going to say, I've discovered yours, so you're becoming <laughs> quite regular. Uh, yes. Um, Coffee with Scott Adams is a okay. daily, daily podcast that he does. So I find it quite humorous.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever get into his... Comic strip?
0: No, you know, interestingly, I, 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 huh. I, I mean, I did because I thought some of them were clever, but not, not in the way that there are Dilbert fans out there. No, I it yeah. actually.
1: Yeah. When I was in the corporate world, it was amazing how kind of accurate it was. Not well, unlike. The TV show, The Office, so
0: absolutely, and and when um, you know when Elon Musk tells his people to not do anything that's going to uh, wind them up in a Dilbert comic, you know there is something in the, uh, in the real <laughs> world that you know is is, apl- is applicable.
1: Very true, <laughs> very true. All right, Daniela, we're getting ready to wrap up. Do you have any parting words for our listeners and viewers?
0: To never underestimate um never uh never dis we should not disempower ourselves um by limiting what we can accomplish vis-a-vis the professional relationships in our lives
1: okay you heard it here folks daniella told you straight you want to get things going right in your business life it goes back to something we talk about all the time on this show business as in life is all about relationships. Just remember that. So, Daniela, thank you very much for your time today, for being here with us, for sharing your expertise, but even more importantly, your heart with us.
0: Thank you for having me and for sharing your wonderful questions.
1: You bet. And thank you all for tuning in. As always, it is my honor to be here to do this for you. It is a labor of love. I do it willingly every week because I know it serves you, and I... Don't take lightly the fact that you've invested some of your most precious resource, and that's your time. So thanks for being here, and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.